The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Good morning again. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church and uh, a happy Mother's Day. It's good to be with you today. I'm, I'm amazed by the family. I, I, I love family. I came from a great family. I have a large extended family. One of the most difficult things about moving to um, Overland Park is being further away from the extended family that we spent so much time with, um, from not only my my brothers and my my mom, but also my cousins and aunts and uncles, and and so it's just, it's like I love family, and family is an amazing um, thing when you stop to think about it. Is that it, it's really a miracle? Is that God has ordained the family? Um, God has ordained marriage. A lot of times we think that we're in this big debate about marriage and what marriage is legally. Like, the Lord is the one that gave us marriage. It came right from the word. We see that it is ordained by God that the Lord comes into a covenant with a man and a woman who have said, we want to be seen as one by the Lord. And when they, that happens, then the Lord blesses and... and um, um, he, like he seals that covenant with his blessing, and the two no longer are seen as two, but one. The two shall become one. And so the whole idea of, 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 of marriage comes from the Lord himself. And then um, we have this thing called children, right? And they come from that union. And so God has chosen that the vehicle by which new souls will enter the world are kids, and so each time a kid comes into the world, like we look at it, we cherish it, we hold it, but it's different. Like it's different than, we go, than when we go to the, the, the pet store and get a new puppy. It makes a very similar mess, right? But it's different. And the difference is, is that it is the creation of a soul that comes through uh, a husband and a wife. And, and so the Lord brings that new soul into the world. And under when, when we see that the people are living out God's plan for um, the family, that um, we, we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and all the way back to the time of Moses, when this nation was coming into being. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There's no question about how we're to love the Lord, but with everything within us. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them, and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so God ordained the family as the primary vehicle for transferring who he is to the next generation. Like, I'm not the primary vehicle. My job as a pastor is to equip the church, to let you know it is your job as, as men and women who have uh, uh, kids to pass that, um, uh, transfer the values of the Lord on down to the next generation. The same model happens within the context of the church. We're seen as a family. And so then we make disciples and we transfer the values of the Lord and a person is born again and they come in into the kingdom and it is through discipleship that they are equipped with the word and they grow in the Lord and become all that they're supposed to be. And so we see this model played out over and over in uh, so many different things within the kingdom. But when it comes to the family, we see that we have this, this huge responsibility of teaching our kids what it's like to follow Jesus. Like, 
Like that's, that's my main objective in life. There are a lot of other things that I want to accomplish. Um, I want to do all that I can to, to, to advance the kingdom um, for the church and, and the Lord's church. I want to do all that I can. That's a goal I have as, as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like um, I have other goals. I want to harvest a, a, a buck over 200 inches. Yes, Lord. Amen. That's a lofty goal. Okay, it's hard to even find those. Um, I, have, I, th- I have things that I want to accomplish at my home. I want to finish some things around the place. I want to finish my basement. I, I want to remodel the kitchen. There are things that I want to do. But the most important thing in my life is developing my kids for the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I want them, I don't want them to like be a little bit iffy on this. I want them to be fully equipped for the work of the Lord. Not because that's what their dad believes or that's what their dad does, but because they own it themselves. They get it. The lights have come on. They are fully developed in the Lord. They are discipled. They are able to make disciples. When they hit adulthood, they hit the ground running. And whatever church they land in, whether it be OPCC or a church in another state, that church will be blessed because of the Holbrook kids. That's my objective, is that when I'm dead and gone, my kids are serving the Lord and making disciples. Nothing more important to me in life than that right there. And so I, 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 like I, I think about it. I pray about it all the time. I'm constantly trying to think about how can I do the best to teach my kids and equip them um, to be followers of the Lord that, that um, are not religious people, but they're genuinely in love with Jesus. And so um, we need vision for that. I had vision for that um, before I had a kid, before I married Abby, I had vision about what it, my family was going to be like. And Abby and I had vision before we had children. We were married for five years before we had our first kid. And, and then all of a sudden, the house was just full. And she couldn't keep her hands off of me, you know. Uh, you believe that, right? Uh, so, uh, so anyway, but we love our kids, man. We love our family. We love our home. And so for, for vision... Um, like there are three things that are really essential for you to have a home to where you can accomplish this thing that the Lord is calling you to in Deuteronomy chapter six, that, that Jesus basically said the same thing in the New Testament. So the greatest commandment is, and he quoted the Shema, so love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, f- some components for vision. One is you need to have a vision of your, your home being a safe place a safe house, um, a place where you, your kids can kind of retreat from all of the pressure of the world. Um, whether they're in elementary school, middle school, high school, even in college, man, a place to come home and all of the pressure that they're trying to navigate through as they become mature adults and, and human beings, they just need a place where, ah, I don't, I don't have to deal with all of that. And I think we have to work hard for our homes to be a safe place where we're not just creating pressure for them. It's very easy for the home that's supposed to be safe just to be another place of pressure. It should be a place where they, they, they could step away from that pressure. And so if we're just constantly hammering them with our expectations of how well they do in school, 
We have to do that, but we should not be constant in it. They should also feel there's some safety that they can talk about some other things, except for how they're not doing well in school. And so when we have to address that they're not doing well in school, we also need to address things that they are doing well at, and how's their day going, and, and things of that nature. And that's how we keep the uh, house safe. And so we want to make sure that we're working hard, and we have a vision for that. And then, and then we also, like when we look at uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, this is what the word teaches us just by way of principle. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children, it will be a refuge. And so you're like, like <laughs> the Lord is saying, man, if you fear the Lord and you're walking with him, and that's a good, healthy fear, not like you're afraid of the Lord, but you fear him and you have respect and you honor him, and so you live your life like he really does exist and he cares about how you're living your life, then your home becomes a fortress and it should be a, a refuge for your children. Here's the, the secret to great parenting, okay? The secret to great parenting is treat your children the way the Lord treats you. Like, that's it, man. If you, and so how are you going to do that? Well, first, you better know how the Lord treats you. You need to be walking with them. The more intimate your relationship is with the Lord, the better parents you're going to be. The less intimate you are with the Lord, the more that's going, to, that's going to make you a weaker parent because you're not going to know how the Lord treats you. You need to know how the Lord treats you when you're off, when you're wrong. How does he bring that truth into your life? He always brings it with grace. But he, he balances it. And so sometimes we feel the, the chastisement of the Lord. He begins to discipline us, but he doesn't break us. He bends us. He stretches us. He molds us. And so that's what we need to do to our kids. So we need to make sure that we're not pushing so hard that we break them. And so the, the home should be a safe home, but it also should be a green home. The Bible often compares the family to a, a garden where we grow souls. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 144, verse 12. It says, let our sons in their youth, be as grown-up plants. And so the Lord kind of is like, hey, the word is teaching us, hey, man, we, we're cultivating a soul here. We gotta, we gotta weed that thing, get, get the things out that don't need to be out. We need to fertilize it. We need to water it. We need to constantly be doing all that we can to grow them souls into the people that the Lord wants them to be. And I believe there are three stages of development. And so several years ago, back in 2009, I I had a book that came out, it's called Shelter, and I talk about some of this stuff in it, and, and there are three stages of development. It's parental control, self-control, and God's control. And so when I teach this stuff, I generally begin to unpack that. Uh, but the Holbrook kids are now in middle and high school, and they have no idea this is coming, but I need you guys to come on up here. My third audible of the day got a mic here for you. Just get up here on stage. This is Jonah. Jonah, what grade are you in? I'm in eighth grade. And this is Faith. Seventh grade. And this is Joel. And we didn't bring the other two up here because I'm not sure they would have done a good job with this, okay? I think they would have. Okay, so here's what I want you guys to do. And you kind of got to hand the mic back and forth, but I'm going to just interview you a little bit and tell us, like, what in the world is parental control? That's kind of like when uh, you get in trouble and uh, he's like, he has to get you and like say, hey, don't do that. What, you, you, got, you got anything to add? And like when you can't take care of yourself and you need your parents to help you 
care and make good decisions. You got anything? <laughs> okay, so just take us through this. Like, how does this parental control, self-control, God's control, how does all that work? What, what, what do we mean when I'm, when I'm working y'all through that? What in the world does that mean? All of it together. What are we trying? What's the objective? <laughs> Be better. That's come on now. Talk about each phase. Okay, so which one should I well, talk about just first? Well, just go from parental control to self-control to God's control. Okay, so parental control is when like you can't really take care of yourself as much, and you need help from your parents. When to, do you hear that parental control come up? Like a lot when I was like. A lot younger, and like whenever I cried, <laughs> you were always like, "Do you want me to do parental control, or you want to have self control?" And what was your choice? Usually, self control, because uh, parental control wasn't very fun. How did we? <laughs> <laughs> so how did we? How did we? Like how did we navigate between showing? Like what would we do? Do you remember any things that we would? do to help you to understand about self-control you would tell me to like breathe and oh. pull myself together okay you got anything to add faith come on don't be afraid you're always talking talk to these folks both either one self-control like what how they work together for you okay so when you have self-control it's like you're able to take care of yourself and you don't really need your parents anymore, but you've kind of taken what they've given you with parental control to you use that on yourself and use what they've given you as self-control instead of parental That's control. good. You got anything, Joel? Uh, I, guess God, <clears throat> I guess God's control would be like when you need like God's help to like get through whatever uh, you'd be going through. Okay, it's good, man. You did good, bro. I'm proud of you. Uh, so, so what are we trying to do in moving God, self, or self, or parental, self, God, God's control? What's, what's the objective there on that last one? It's to fully surrender to God and just let him have all the control over your life in the end. And how does self-control help you do that? Um, it, like, it helps you when... You can have the self-control to let God take the control over. And you have to have self-control to make sure that you're doing stuff to help him fully use you and to help you surrender to him. Very good. Nice job, Holbrook kids. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. I just told them to all be ready uh, or be up here. They didn't know that was coming. I told their mother, I said, uh, Faith can't volunteer this week. Um, so they didn't know what was going to happen. But so the objective is, and what we've worked on, I mean, all the way down, like you guys that have little ones, man, don't do everything for them. As soon as you can begin to teach them to have self-control, do it. Like, man, when they start crying, back the, the, the motto in our home is shake it off and pull it together. 
Like, just shake it off and pull it together. And Caitlin, like, she'll still, man, she'll start to cry. And I'll say, hey, I, I can't understand you. You need to shake it off and pull it together. And whew, they'll start to breathe. Whew, and I won't talk to them. And I won't run and rescue them just because they're crying. Because they've got to learn how to control themselves. Because the sooner I can get them to control themselves, the easier that they understand that principle, which is a fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the, and the sooner that they understand that, the easier it is for them to surrender that to the Lord. And the Lord can use it and work in the midst of it. And so we gotta, we got to figure out how do we move our kids um, from parental control to self-control in as many areas as we possibly can, as quickly as we possibly can. And the earlier we start, um, the better. And so work hard to keep your house green. And then finally, a fun house. Um, it's, a, it's a place where you kick back, relax, and enjoy life. And a lot of times we hear the, the saying, a family that prays together stays together. And I say a family that plays together also stays together. If you pray together and never play together, they're probably not going to come home later in life. Like your home needs to be a fun place where you enjoy yourselves. And, and, and so like make sure that you're not focusing so much on the greenhouse part of it, the greenhouse effect, that you miss the funhouse effect. And so keep it safe, keep it green, and keep it fun. But um, uh, so we look at, uh, again, scripturally, like the, the word says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Okay, so enjoy your life that, that, that you have together with your family. So these, these are all, this is all great, and, and, and it's important to, for us to have vision. But um, we also need, even though vision is essential, we also need to have urgency. Okay? Like urgency is such an important thing. Like urgency is, um, like, man, it's easy for us to not be urgent. Um, urgency is like, uh, <laughs> tell you this story. Urgency is like Monday night in the evening. Shay and I decided to go fishing, and we took our the boat out that we borrowed on a maiden voyage, and we dropped it down this river bank, and we fished, and it was time to pull it out, and we were pulling it out. He's pulling it up this bank that's about like this with his side by side. It's about thirty feet that we got to get this thing out of the river bank. And he's pulling, and I'm saying, like, the boat begins to tip at the back, and water begins to come in. And I say, go, go, go. And he thinks I say, no, no, no. <laughs> and he comes around looking over the, the bank, and I'm like, go. And the, the boat's just going. That's so he runs back to the side-by-side, -side, jumps in, takes off, and the rope breaks. And the boat starts to go down, and I'm holding it, and I'm saying, hurry, hurry, get the rope, tie it to a tree. That's urgency. Like, I'm going to lose the boat if you don't get here, bro, and you don't get here quick. And so he comes running, and thankfully, we saved the boat. That's urgency. Urgency is not, hey, I'm going to casually make it to a place. Urgency is taking everything you have and, is, and throwing it at it with some, like, some, like, importance. Like, this is one of the most important things that you could be urgent about. And so when we look at Jesus, he was urgent about early life. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Verses 5 through 10, it says, And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life 
maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, no doubt, Jesus was letting us know we needed to be urgent. Was Jesus literally, did he want us to cut our arm off? No, he's trying to say, he's not trying to say if you sin, you know, with your eyes, gouge it out, or if you cut your arm, or sin with your arm, cut it off. He's trying to get us to see you need to be urgent about children. Don't do things that cause them to stumble. Don't do things that cause them to fall. Do things to help them understand what truth is. And so as he brings this in, uh, urgency to us, and we see that he was urgent about um, early life, why does he create so much urgency about childhood? The reason is because the most significant aspect of everyone's life is spiritual health. Like every decision you make, you made decisions yesterday, where you would go, what you would do, they're all spiritual decisions. They have spiritual implications, and we need to realize that. So every choice we make is ultimately a spiritual one. So during the formative years in our development, we, we begin to develop the decision-making patterns that we will carry through the rest of life. You see, um, it is strategic to engage kids at a young age. Like, the, the younger your kids are, like you have toddlers that can't even talk, start doing this. Like, do it now. Make it, uh, like, make it a normal part. Because what happens is, by 13, spiritual identity is largely set in place. Like, are we saying that a person after 13 can't get this? No, of course they can. Of course they, they could be, they're going to be born, like a, a person is born again and they're transformed by the Spirit. And I get all of that. But spiritual identity and making it easier for all that to happen, that largely gets set in place by the age of 13. And so 5 to 12 are the ages that are the most critical. And these are like Play-Doh years. And that's why the Word says, impress them upon your kids' hearts. And so during the ages of 5 to 12, man, you have the opportunity to impress. Like when you see the kids come up here and talk like that and do those things, we have not done any kind of curriculum to teach them how to follow the Lord. We've simply had them in church, and we always, when we sit down, when we sit down for dinner, we'll have conversations, we'll ask how your week's going, where's, what's the Lord doing, and we're constantly just in a state of development. And so that's what the Lord wants us to accomplish and be urgent during um, the, these critical years so that when they get to um, those years in the middle, they have learned how to think with the Lord working in their lives. So if you want to shape a person's life, the best and most strategic place to do it is between the ages of 5 and 13, and so you go, or 5 and 12. And so you go, well, I didn't do that. That's okay. Like you could still shape a person's life. Like I said earlier, when my dad got serious about serving the Lord, I was 16, and it made a huge impact on my life. For the rest of my life, and for the rest of his life, he honored the Lord and followed the Lord, and it made a huge um, difference for me. So here, let me give you three ways to be urgent as a parent. First of all, urgent parents see their kids. Um, if you saw the movie Avatar, man, like one of the key things is when the guy that would get in the, the Avatar, he, would, he, he finally came to a point where he said, I could see you. It's pretty new age stuff, um, not, not good biblical truth, but it helps teach this point. When he finally came to the place where he could see them, he was understanding them a lot more. So for us, like as, as people who are raising kids, um, 
And if you're interacting with kids, even if you're like you teach kids, you work with kids in any area, even in, like, let me say this, um, downstairs, like, like if you serve down there, and this is one of the reasons you should think about serving in kids' ministry, is it's formative years. It's an opportunity to shape them and impact them. Uh, but when you're working with kids, you need to see them. And, and so what I, what I do is when I'm, when I'm interacting with my kids, and I've done this for years, is I always picture them at 25. So I'm talking to Caitlin, who is in third grade, fourth grade, and I see a 25-year-old making a decision about a young man whom she will marry. I try to see her as a young mother and how she's going to live. When I'm talking to Jonah and I'm working through things with him, I try to see him as a 25-year-old man. Same thing with Joel and Faith and, and Zoe. I, I just see them as young adults. And that constantly keeps vision before me about what I'm doing right now in the moment because I'm, I'm dealing with a human that is going to be an adult soon, and I, I want to see them right there. And, and that's, a, that's a huge st strategy for me that helps me in the development uh, of the kids. And so when I'm talking to them, I try to see them as, as young adults. Here's the second thing. Urgent parents are, aren't conventional, they're intentional. Okay, so there, there's all these conventional ways to parent, and there are conventional Christian ways. Like you can go to a Christian bookstore and find all of these books like, um, that, that you can learn about how, what to do, and here's the conventional thing to do. I, I say be unconventional. I say do it on the fly. I say do it just like Deuteronomy says, that when you're walking down the road, like when you're sitting down to eat, when you're, when you're um, you know, doing a task, just constantly talk about it. And so in the moment, when the moment presents itself, develop. Like, just develop right there. The Holy Spirit will create moments where you can develop your kids. Let me give you an inch, uh, for instance. About four or five months ago, it was, I think, around January, um, the kids, I knew I'd gotten an email. They were doing some kind of sex education at the school, and I'd heard somebody else comment on a neighborhood post or something uh, about what they were teaching. And, and so I wanted to just, you know, get with the kids and kind of have a little bit of discussion. And so I was like, what are they teaching y'all in there? And I, well, they'd talk a little bit. Of course, I didn't have the two younger ones. I just had the three older ones. Um, got a seventh grader, eighth grader, and a, a ninth grader. And so uh, I, we begin to have a little bit of a sex talk right there in the kitchen. Abby was there, and these three were there. And thank God Zoe and Caitlin were upstairs. And so as we're talking about sex, and they said, well, they talked to us about safe sex. And I said, well, you know, let me tell you how to have safe sex. Let me tell you what the word says. The word says you don't have sex until you're married. You, you, you keep that reserved for marriage. And if you will practice that, then that is safe sex. And I'm going to say, man, the Lord wants you to be able to have sex if that's something that is a desire of yours. And when you're married, you can have all the sex you want. And they looked at me. I said, me and your mom have sex all the time. And like they looked like, oh man. And, and so Joel says, you, you, you mean that sometimes when the door's locked? Oh. <laughs> they have not, the three older ones have not knocked on our door since. So, <laughs> but that is a moment in time to do spiritual development. You say, well, how's that spiritual? It's spiritual because we don't talk about sex with, like we think that sex is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. The Lord created it for us. 
And, and, and we have to be able to normalize it in the proper context of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And as we do that, then they get a vision, and we're not just constantly bringing God into the conversation when it's, no, don't do this, no, don't do that. And we're beginning to show and paint a picture of all the freedom that we have in Christ so that they can have a vision for themselves. So don't be conventional, be intentional. And then finally, urgent parents aren't perfect, they're present. Man, you're going to blow it. Don't try, um, don't try to be perfect. Try to be in the moment and take advantage of the wonderful gift. You only get one shot at parenthood, and you're not going to be perfect. And let me tell you, one of the things that you can do, like one of the most valuable things that you can do as a parent is when you blow it, confess it to your kids. Like, just tell them, like, I blew it here. I, I, I thought I was making the right decision, or I lost my temper with you, and I'm sorry it wasn't right, and, and ask them to forgive you. Um, like, just, just, like, don't try to be perfect. Try to be present and try to be in their lives, um, being a part of what's going on in and around and through them, having conversations. And if you'll do that, then, then they begin to, like, you begin to develop this very valuable um, relationship to where you can shape them even on into adulthood after you release them into adulthood. And so spiritual formation is more important than your child's emotional, physical, or intellectual development. Like, it, you say, oh, yeah, sure it is. I'm going to tell you guys, we could drive over right now. We could drive over to 135th and Schweitzer, and that soccer facility will be packed. And there will be people who are playing club soccer. They will be driving from Dallas. They will be driving from surrounding states, and they're going to have, they're going to be pouring money into it, and they're going to do everything that they can so that their kids, hopefully, can get a soccer scholarship. That's great. Like, my kids need scholarships. But they're going to say, I don't have time to go to church. They're going to say, I, we don't have enough money to give. Sure you don't, because you're all concerned about the other kind of development when you're talking about an eternal soul, that how good they are at soccer or basketball or dance or anything else or cheer is not going to matter 100 years from now. Like, like Jesus is not going to say, hey, bro, let me see how hard you can kick that ball. That's not what's coming. What's coming is, did you know me? And so I'm not down on soccer. I'm not down on any sports. I love sports, and we have our kids in sports. Like, yeah, I love them. But it's unhealthy when they take um, priority over the spiritual development of our kids. And, and, and so, like, if that's where you're at, you need to check yourself and go, listen, I need to reprioritize here and make the spiritual development of my child more important than anything. Make the spiritual development of myself more important than anything. And so the big idea of today's talk is be urgent. Like, bring some urgency to this and realize, man, the Lord has given, like, when you have a kid, like, when a kid is entrusted to you, whether you had them by, naturally by birth or you adopted them, whatever, man, when they're in your home, it's a soul the Lord has entrusted to you to shape for him. And, and that's like, man, that's, that, 
we need to bring some urgency to that. It's the most important thing we do. And so bring that to that, that task that you have. It's a calling of the Lord um, to raise up warriors for the kingdom of Christ. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.